jump over the bags. <clears throat> I was going to come from the front row and leap, but I had this flashback to when I was a teenager playing tennis, and I thought I would jump over the net, and that didn't work out real well. And so that kept me from making a bad decision here today. But yeah, walk it out. Last week, we began a new series. Uh, it's, the, it's the church as described in Titus. We're calling it Walk It Out. In part one last week, we talked about how Paul left Titus on the island of Crete as Paul continued his church planting duties. Titus was left there to set the church in order, according to Paul's account. We talked briefly last week about the system for that, the system of setting the church in order. We talked about how healthy we are as a church here at Central Assembly and why I believe that's the case. We also looked at, if you remember, four reasons for unrest or division in the local church. All of that from last week's sermon is available online. If you missed it, you can listen on our website. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Central Assembly Superior. There's also CDs from last week available on the Welcome Center. All of that is free of charge. Why? Because we care. Today's part two. We're here in Titus chapter two. You can turn there in your Bible. Remember from last week, all the T's are together. We've got 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and then Titus. We're looking today at generations in the church. We're all part of the, the church of today. We're all the church of today. We sometimes use expressions like uh, the church of yesterday or, or the church of, of tomorrow. But from our youngest children to our most senior saint and all points between, we are all the church of today. And we're all integral parts of the church. Today I want to emphasize how important the generations are as we walk out life in the local church. The value, we value every age group, every generation, every person in any phase of life. You're all part of the equation. We are all part of the, the giant, amazing tapestry that we know as the local church. And together we endeavor to walk it out. We are the generations of the church. We're made up of older men and younger men, older women and younger women. And in Paul's letter to Titus in chapter 2, he addresses the roles and the interactions of those generations. So to the older men, that's where we'll start. In verse 2 of chapter 2 of the book of Titus, it says, To the aged men, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. To the aged men. I guess the first question is, how do you know you're aged? How do you know... It, you know, it doesn't give us like an age a di you know, where you cross over and we always feel a little different in our mind than we, you know, look in our body. So how do you know when you're old? 
I happen to have some help here for you, some signs that you may be old. You and your teeth don't sleep together. That's, that's. You try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and you discover you aren't wearing any. At the breakfast table you hear snap, crackle, and pop and you're not eating cereal. Your back goes out more than you do. You're asleep, but others worry you're dead. You might be old. You might be old if you're proud of your lawnmower. Your ears are hairier than your head. You know you're old when your kids look middle-aged. Your little black book your little black book contains only names that end in MD. The pharmacist has become your new best friend. Getting lucky means you found your car in the parking lot. The gleam in your eye is only a reflection from the sun hitting your bifocals. You know you're old when you look forward to a dull evening. When you're irritated because your pacemaker keeps making the garage door go up. You might be old if your house catches fire and the first thing you think to grab is your Metamucil. Honey, grab the Metamucil. You give up all your bad habits and you still don't feel good. And you might be old when that little old lady you help across the street is your wife. might be old. That's how you know you're old. But I tell you, our older men here at Central Assembly are, are vitally important to us. You hear me say often that other pastors, other churches would give anything to have the level of involvement that we have here at Central Assembly from our men. Men, older men, mature men, you are the ones who set the pace here at church. We look to you to lead, and we look to you for direction. But let me encourage you to do something even more difficult. Let me encourage you to reach out to our younger men. Let me encourage you to invite them into your life. Let me encourage you to invite them into their ministry. Ask them to come along. Ask them to help. Sometimes as older men, we don't approach the young men because we think they wouldn't be interested in who we are and what we do. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're looking for someone to invest in them. Maybe they want to be mentored. Maybe they want to learn and grow and become all that God has called them to be. I encourage our older men to invest into the lives of our younger men. The letter to Titus addresses those younger men too, beginning in verse 6. It says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, 
that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. In other words, those that think differently than you may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. That's for the younger men. Younger men, don't make the mistake of thinking you're too busy to serve. I know the kids are small. I know life is demanding. And, and all of that is important for sure. If you're unsuccessful there, if you're unsuccessful on the home front, it's hard to be successful anywhere else. I get that. And then there's, there's work. Work is taxing and work is time-consuming too. But your family needs to see you serve. You cannot wait. Hear me now, young men. You cannot wait until the kids are grown and still hope to convey to them that serving is important. There was a study done some years ago in an effort to tap into the retired population to help supply the need for volunteers within the local church. And they made an interesting, though not surprising, discovery. And the discovery was this, that if, if men didn't serve before they retired, they didn't serve after they retired. Don't make the mistake, young men, of thinking you'll serve when you have the time. Don't make the mistake of thinking you'll get to it later. For many, for most, later never comes. Here's what I would say to our young men. It's my, it's my little formula for successful living. My formula for successful living. Number one, determine what's important. That's where it starts, right? Understanding, determining what's important. Not what's urgent, what's important. Number two, organize your life. Prioritize. Plan. Schedule. Strategize. Have a calendar. Organize your life. Remember last week we talked about set the church in order. At some point we have to set our life in order. Number three, don't cheat your family. Don't cheat your family. Number four, don't cheat the church either. You can do both, family and church. You absolutely can do both if it's important enough to you. Jump in as a young man and serve. Pay your dues. Work hard. Serve sacrificially. If you don't, you'll look back with regret at having missed out on all the opportunities, all the relationships, all the adventures that were available in ministry here at the church. There are lots of reasons not to serve. And I can only think of one good reason to serve. And that's that you love Jesus enough to love the body of Christ. Young men, model to your family what it looks like to love the church. The leaders 
of today here at Central Assembly, the, the Steve Sislows, the Denny La Rochelles, the John Balls, the Stub Sterias, they didn't start serving when the kids moved out. They were serving before they had kids. They were serving while they had kids. And they're still serving today. That's how you do it. Our letter to Titus also deals with the older women. It says this in verse 3, The aged women likewise, they, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. The older gals here at Central Assembly are, are nothing short of amazing. Is older the right word? Should I say aged? That's what the Bible, that's biblical. Aged? Mature. We have high quality, high character women that represent Jesus and represent the church well here at Central Assembly. They pray, they serve, they sign up to bring food, they're involved in ministry, in the community, and they genuinely care about people in their effort to spread the gospel. They're part of the warmth and genuine beauty of Central Assembly, our older gals. They model what it means to be true women. They're strong and smart and competent. There was a day here at Central Assembly, as I understand it, in the mid uh, to late 1960s when all that we had was women. Eunice Ellison and Carol Barnard could probably tell you the story. Women <laughs> held it together, and we owe a great debt of gratitude to the women of the church. In fact, we owe everything to the women of Central Assembly. Our women today carry on a rich heritage. They're passing the baton to the next generation of women and entrusting our younger women with the task of maintaining and even growing the gospel presence here in the Twin Ports and the surrounding area. I want our older gals to know how valued and respected you are. You're a major part of who we've been in the past, and you're a major part of who we are today. Where would we be without the women of Central Assembly? And they have a wealth of wisdom and knowledge to pass on to our younger women. Speaking of the younger women, verses 4 and 5 of Titus 2 says, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. As I said, our older women have a tremendous legacy to pass on to our younger women. The problem is, the world is trying to send our young women a message too. And I'm afraid that they're competing messages. Be careful who you listen to, young ladies. Young women today have a heavy burden to bear. You're told you must have a career and raise children and be a great wife and be civic-minded too. Plus you have to be adventurous and beautiful. There's a real identity crisis among today's younger women. And understandably so. Young women feel 
tremendous pressure to live according to a script that's imposed upon them by someone else. I think, I think ladies, that, that you would be healthier if you found your identity in Christ. Let me give you three quick hitters to help you think right in a world that's trying to think for you. Three quick hitters to help you think right in a world that's trying to think for you. Number one, comparison is the enemy of success. There will always be someone more beautiful, more together, more organized, a better wife, and a better mom. But that's only their front stage. Keep in mind, you're only seeing what they want you to see. We've all had that moment when someone we thought had it all together suddenly falls apart. Suddenly, it appears, they get a divorce. Suddenly, they have a breakdown of some kind. Suddenly, they fall off the deep end in some form or fashion. In reality, there was nothing sudden about it. They just never let you see behind the scenes. As a result, you were comparing their front stage to your backstage, and you felt inadequate. You saw a picture of their fancy silverware drawer, and you compared it to your junk drawer. What you failed to realize was they have a backstage too. What you failed to realize is they have a junk drawer too. They just didn't post it on Facebook or Instagram. All they posted was the, the perfect vacation and the perfect family and the perfect husband and the perfect date night and the perfect cruise and the perfect meal and the perfect kids and the perfect job and the perfect pet and the perfect life. And they never showed you what was happening backstage. Comparison, ladies, is the enemy of success. The annual district summit of the Wisconsin Northern Michigan District was last week in Oshkosh. It's a great place for a pastor to fall prey to the demon of comparison. There are lots of great churches represented there. Mega churches with transcendent leaders, great preachers, powerful orators with creative minds and charisma that can bring you to tears, make you hold your gut in laughter, and inspire you to run into a burning building for the cause of Christ all in one message. It's easy to come away feeling inadequate and inferior. I have to remind myself, Comparison is the enemy of success. There will always be someone bigger, better, faster, stronger. But I'm not called to be them. I'm only called to be me. And there are plenty of days when that's tough enough. Our young women face a difficult struggle, batting, battling a media that chews up and spits out women like yesterday's trash. And it starts early, doesn't it, ladies? It starts with your Barbie dolls. But realize this, if Barbie was an actual adult-sized woman and kept in the same proportions as the doll, she would be five foot nine, weigh 110 pounds, and her measurements would be 39, 23, 33. 
That's unbelievably unrealistic. And yet I wonder if that isn't what women are subconsciously shooting for. Let me tell you this, ladies. You're worth so much more than how the world measures you. I, I, wish, I wish I had the right words that would somehow convince you of this. I wish we could stop seeing ourselves according to the standards of our godless society. My biggest concern is if you're working so hard to become what the world wants you to be on the outside, there may be a leanness on the inside. If you're spending all your time trying to be everything the world calls you to be, I wonder if there's any time left over to become the woman God calls you to be. Proverbs reminds us, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Young ladies, remember this. Comparison is the enemy of success. My number two of my three quick hitters for young ladies on how to think right in a world that's trying to think for you is protect your God time. We counter the leanness in our soul with God time. I know you don't think you have time, but you do have time for whatever you deem important. We just have to decide how important our God time is. I challenge the men here. Make sure you're helping your wives carve out time for God. Offer to take the kids for a walk. Offer to let your wife go to a women's gathering or a women's conference or a Bible study or just to get away for a while with Jesus. But ladies, ultimately, it's up to you. Protect your time with God. It's the key to being healthy, refreshed, and invigorated. It's ironic, isn't it? Everything you're looking for in a thousand other places is found in Christ alone. Number three, remember who you are. And maybe the first question is, do you know who you are? If you know Jesus, if you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've decided that you want to live for Him, if you've confessed your sin, if you've repented of your sin, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you are a daughter of the King. If you're a daughter of the king, then that makes you a princess. That means you're royalty, baby. And don't you dare forget it. You're a child of the living God. You're a member of the family of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now think about that. That means that you will inherit everything he inherits. Do you ever wonder if you belong? Well, think about this. You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You not only belong, you belong to God. You tell that devil, my daddy's bigger than your daddy, and you watch him head for the hills. You, you've been redeemed. You've been justified, and you've been sanctified, and you've been forgiven of all your sins, ladies, past, present, and future. You're free of condemnation. You're a citizen of heaven. Your life is hidden in Christ. 
You do not have to take a back seat to anyone or anything that this world has to offer you. Remember who you are, girl. Remember who you are. There is no one as blessed as you. Now you just have to believe it enough to walk it out. Comparison is the enemy of success. Protect your God time. And remember who you are. Well, let me, let me wrap this up. There's, there's tremendous power in the gener generations. The Bible says this in Psalm 145. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. One generation shall praise thy works to another. We have to spend time together as the generations serving, worshiping, fellowshipping together. Otherwise, we won't know each other. Young people, young people, you maximize your effectiveness by making church attendance a priority and by using your talents and abilities for service in the church. And by having a genuine commitment, young families, young adults, by having a genuine commitment to bringing your family up in the church to know the Lord in a genuine way, this is your number one duty. This is your single most compelling task. One of the best things you can do as a young adult is help to mentor a teen or a child. You want to make, you want to make a real difference? Do you want to make a real difference? Talk to Samuel about working with our young students, our teenagers, as a youth sponsor. Or talk to Amanda about working with children. And how about this? What if you asked an older church attender to meet with you once a week or once a month so that you could tap into their wealth of knowledge and experience? I think that would be good for you. We need our young adults to step up. We need our young people. We need young people who are willing to serve as deacons, teach Sunday school classes, and host connect groups. Those are among the things that we do to maintain a gospel presence here and around the world. And it's as much your responsibility, young people, as it is anybody else's. Those are among the things we do to maintain a gospel presence here in our area. Our middle-aged and older people have a lot to offer too. Your life experience, your years of Bible study make you a rich asset in many ways. I love it when our generations interact. I think the mentor-mom idea at MOPS, which is Mothers of Preschoolers, which meet every second and fourth Thursday of the month, And what they do is they have, they have all these young moms. And at each table, they have a, what they call a mentor mom. An older gal that interacts with the young people. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
We have many veteran saints who would love to mentor some young adults. They've invested years of time, money, blood, sweat, and tears into the church. Their wisdom, their knowledge, their commitment cannot be underestimated. And it is so worth tapping into. Just remember, young people, it's hard for the older person to approach you. Hey, uh, you want me to mentor you? That's an awkward ask. You need to ask them. And and I, I can't imagine a scenario where a young adult would come up to an older person and say, would you meet with me once a month? I just want to tap into your wisdom and experience. I can't imagine that that would be met with anything but open arms. And it might be the beginning of a new and very special relationship. You need to ask the older person, young people. We had two of our college girls come to our Connect group this last time around. We loved having them in what's generally a middle-aged to older crowd. One time after everyone had left, except the two college girls, Rhonda and I asked why they kept coming to our Connect group. And their answer has stuck with me. They said, there's so much wisdom in this room. They're wise for putting themselves in a place to tap into that. But the older generation must look for opportunities too. We must make ourselves available to younger generations. And I believe the best way to do that is to find a place to serve. We all need to find a place to serve. Whether you're single, or married, older, younger, we're all called to walk out life in the church. We all bring something different to the table. We all have something different to offer. One generation shall praise thy works to another. Let me, let me challenge you as we get ready to dismiss. And here's, here's the part that can get lost in the shuffle. Let me challenge you as we dismiss, we mingle in the foyer, we go out into the work week, Let me challenge you to intentionally connect with someone from another generation. It's easy to hang out with the people that become our little group, but what if you intentionally made a choice to connect with somebody a lot older than you, a lot younger than you? You maybe laid some of the groundwork for what could become a special relationship. We really need each other. We really need each other. And you're the church of today. And if you're, if you're older and you think you're the church of yesterday, you're, you're buying into a life from the devil. You're as much the church of today as anyone here. We need you. So my challenge to you today is, is right after church and in the week ahead to purposely connect 
with someone from another generation. So maybe that's a conversation, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a note. It won't happen unless we intentionally choose it. Lord, I pray for for each one here today. And some have been lost in the shuffle. And for some, that's our fault. Maybe we haven't appreciated them in the way that they deserve to be appreciated. Lord, I pray that today they would feel valued and loved. They would feel as much a part of the church as anyone. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to connect as older men and younger men, older women and younger women. I pray that we would recognize each other's value Lord, that we would serve with integrity and honor and represent you well, represent the church well and the community. That you might be glorified, that you might be honored, that one generation might pass on to the next the wondrous works of our great and mighty God. And I pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.